Welcome to the SNR Podcast. I'm your host, Salima Ismail. Today's guest is Jared Goody, Safe and Reliable's Director of Product. He is someone who is passionate about the power of product and how it can change lives. Jared's secret to success is being receptive to change and open to better paths as they present themselves. You can see the first example of this as he describes the start of his career. So originally, I was going to school to go into filmmaking. That was my original intent when I started school. But I took a couple of elective programming classes and enjoyed those classes. And I was working at the time for a company that created e-learning courses, and I was doing sales. But they had a position open up for a junior developer. And from there, I kind of just continued. I, I accidentally became a developer instead of a filmmaker. But over the course of my early career, I realized that coding wasn't actually my passion. I worked with people who just lived and breathed code. You know, they built games at night in their spare time and coded things for fun. And that wasn't my passion. My passion was the products themselves, solving problems for people with software and shaping the course of how that product took shape. And so I moved more into kind of team lead roles and then into project management and then ultimately into product management. And I've worked on all kinds of stuff over the course of my career, desktop applications and websites and mobile apps and all kinds of stuff. But the common through thread for me is that I love talking to users. I love trying to dig to the core of the problem they're having and find a way in the software to make their life easier. What Jared found was that he was gravitating towards certain problems that he wanted to help solve. I've said before that if there were two big things that I wish I could work on because I want to do something that's important, it would be healthcare or, or climate. What attracted me to SNR was this chance to both help patients and help healthcare providers. So in my initial conversations with Dr. Leonard and Dr. Frankel, it was very apparent their passion for improving patient outcomes. They both told some stories in my first interviews with them that really drove home for me that there's a mission here. This is more than just a money-making opportunity. This is a, I, I've referred to it in talking to people as a moral imperative. I can't think of really a better problem to try to solve than improving patient outcomes by improving the lives of healthcare workers. But how does Jared do that in his role as a product manager? When you talk to a user or a client or an internal stakeholder or whoever, oftentimes they'll say, hey, I want a feature that does this. I want you to make a button that does this thing and put it on this page. And that may or may not be a great idea. But the important conversation to have there is the getting to the why. What problem are they trying to solve? So that may be they're trying to get to some particular data that they need in order to generate a report they need for their bosses. Or that may be as simple as, hey, when I'm doing this particular task in your software, it takes me more clicks than I would like. And so there may be extra friction there that's causing them to lose time every day. But trying to dig down to the core of the why is critical because we have a lot of talented people always on this team and other teams that I've worked with. We have great designers, we have great developers, we have people who are really good at coming up with solutions for things, who really know usability, who really know the technical side in a way that the user may not. So getting to the core of the problem allows those people to create a solution that gets to that core of that problem rather than just building another feature. So what happens once you figure out the why behind the ask? As a product manager, your job is to really hear people all the way from users, the frontline people who are using the software, the people who are making decisions about whether to buy the software, your internal stakeholders and subject matter experts, 
your executive team and strategic vision they have and take into account analytics and the internal feedback from developers and your engineering team about what technical needs they have in terms of formants and all sort of thing, and your design staff in how to make the site more usable and take all of those things and try to get your arms around all of it and break it down into what is the most important thing next? What's the most important value we can deliver next for our users? against a longer-term strategic vision of where we want to go and to constantly be learning in cycles. So we try something and we learn and we try something else and we learn and we try something else and we learn, which interestingly is basically the exact HRO process (laughs) that we teach to our clients. Improvement science is improvement science. We identify high-impact changes that we can make that are small and we implement those and we test and we learn and we iterate again. What Jared is describing requires a lot of adaptability. So it bears the question, how do you deal with change management? I think part of it is baking into everyone's awareness from the beginning that change is going to be constant. I think really it's it's twofold. One is you try to make sure that the changes you're making have a good reasoning behind them. You're not just pivoting for the sake of pivoting and that you're communicating really well with the team and getting their feedback about the proposed changes and how we tackle them. I heard a product person say that one thing that is important to remember is that your team is smarter than you. And I try to always approach it that way. There can't be any ego on the product side. You have to involve the whole team in decision-making, in refining your backlog of work. Everybody is involved. We have daily meetings. We have weekly meetings where we work together collaboratively to shape the way the product is being built. So everyone is involved. That's one thing. I don't believe in sort of top-down mandates. And if I can't defend what change I'm proposing, then we probably shouldn't be doing it. But then also really creating a culture where change is not bad, where everyone views pivoting and changing based on what we learned as a good thing. It means the process is working, not that something is broken, because it means we're learning. If you never pivot, you're not learning. If you never course correct or change direction in how you're approaching the work or what you're building, it means you're not learning from your users. You're not learning from each other. You're not really paying attention to what's working and what's not working. You're just kind of charging down a preconceived path, which is recipe for failure in software development. This seems counterintuitive, since in other industries, having a structured, long-term plan is seen as an asset or even a best practice. Here's Jared explaining why that's not the case for software development. In software development or in project management, two of the major philosophies are agile and waterfall. And agile is what I've been describing about the pivoting, learning, releasing quickly, trying to get the smaller chunks of value to the users as quickly as possible. Waterfall is more of a traditional project management, like the way you would build a house or a boat, (laughs) where you lay it out from the beginning. You know exactly what your plan is. You create really detailed specifications. You have a really detailed project plan and timeline, and you know what all your materials are, and you start at the beginning, and you build for a year, and then you release. The problem with waterfall in software is that we are making guesses, educated guesses, but guesses essentially as to what will solve the problem for the users and what they want. And so if you have a big year-long project and you plan it all out at the beginning based on your guess and you 
spend a year building it and then release it. If it's not right, you've spent a year building something that the users don't really want to use without getting feedback. If you break it into tiny chunks and release it in pieces, then you get that feedback instantly. You also get value to them more quickly and you can make course corrections. So maybe one release in a two-week period wasn't quite right, but you, based on feedback, you bring it kind of back more into line in the next release and the next release you, you sort of track toward that target. And using the Agile method works really well for Jared and his team, especially when they applied it to a recent feature they added in Lens. Let's talk about walkarounds. The idea was to build a feature that would allow leadership walkarounds to be accomplished with Lens using a mobile phone or a tablet where our users could go out, do their rounding, create issues quickly to put on their Lens board and take notes. So we could have spent a long time building out every little thing, every little bell and whistle that we could think of to put into that walkaround feature. But what we did is we identified with internal stakeholders and some feedback from clients when we just had wireframes. What is kind of the minimum amount of features that this section of Lens would need in order to provide some value to you. And so we identified that, we built that, it's fairly lean, and then we released it and we got it in the hands of users to, to actually use. And from that point, we started getting feedback. For example, the way we would like to use this is we would like for a leader, their administrative assistant or someone like that to create the rounds for them, and then they take over and actually run the round. And so from that, we learned, okay, we're going to need to be able to add additional people to a round. And there are a number of pieces of feedback like that that we've already made small tweaks to that feature since it was released a, a couple months ago. The point there is, and this is the way it should work with everything, is you build something small, you've done some vetting with users beforehand in the design phase, you build it and get it into their hands as quickly as possible so that then they can start giving you feedback about how they're actually using it, not how you think they were going to use it, and prioritize that feedback into improving it. But as mentioned before, this agile environment would not thrive the way it does without the cultural support built into safe and reliable healthcare. One thing I noticed right away when I started working for Safe and Reliable was that the culture here was different than anything that I had experienced professionally to that point, in that without exception, the people I was working with genuinely cared about each other <laughs> and were supportive, treated each other like human beings, not as human resources. And there was never any question that um, from the leadership down to every developer, they were interested in helping each other succeed and being kind of open about that. In other organizations, there were always elements of that, but I, I'd never experienced it to the degree that it is here. And that led me to think, oh, these people are walking the talk. <laughs> that the, the things that we try to teach our clients about building community and psychological safety and giving everyone voice and all of that, that exists here. And that's not just something we talk about with our clients. And it's made a huge difference in, in being able to bring up things, to be able to make changes to processes. I institute a whole range of new processes and tools when I started working here with the, the team to make sure that we were collaborating the right way and prioritizing the right way, etc. And there was never any resistance. There was feedback, there was honest communication about it, but never any like, well, that's not the way we do it here. There was never even a hint of that. And it's really refreshing. Jared also recognizes that there is a lot for him to learn when thinking about the future of SNR's products. 
I've also spent a lot of time with this company trying to make sure that I understand what our HRO experts are doing. I spend a lot of time with them. I spend a lot of time on site with them, observing their trainings, talking with them and getting feedback from them about the products that we have. That's critical because we're trying to marry their hands-on wealth of experience in working with hospitals and clinics and et cetera, marrying that, all of that knowledge and experience that they have with the software that we're building to try and fuse as much of that into the software as we can. But overall, it's clear that Jared is happy and grateful for where he's at and what he does. I just wanted to reiterate, though, how much I love this work that we're doing, how rewarding it is. My whole career, I've wanted to do something that made a difference in the world, not just build something for maximum profitability. (laughs) And I really feel like I've found that here. When you do get feedback from users here about how, you know, their huddles are going so much better since they've been using Lens or whatever, and they've been able to communicate more effectively with each other or their sense of community with each other has increased. If anyone deserves that, it's healthcare workers. If anyone deserves a, a safe place if anyone deserves a a sense of community. I mean, especially with what's going on now, the risks that they're being asked to take and the stresses that they're being put under. If what I come to work to do can help them even a little bit, that's incredibly rewarding for me. If you would like to contact Jared Goody or would like to submit any questions or comments about the podcast, please email podcast at srh.care. That's all for today. The Safe and Reliable podcast was produced and edited by me, Salima Ismail. Our theme music was produced by MonkeyMan535 from freesound.org. Special thanks to Jared Goody. And a very special thanks to you for tuning in. See you again soon.